Welcome to Shine Me A Light Podcasts. In this series, Last 27 Years, we go through the last 27 years in the life of one class of 95 Sydney Girls High School student, and this episode is Emma Kerr. So pretty much, how have you been? You okay? Yeah, good. In your yeah. life? Because my life's an absolute shite show right now. Uh, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> looks like it. Or thing. Like happening around me just is, Mm. yeah, but I'm sort of trying just to stay centred. Yeah. (laughs) So you, because I asked this, this is the first thing I asked though, is because did you do HSC in 95? Yes. Because I think like, because a lot of people didn't. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. And like everyone who was there in 95 is like, really? Like there were people who were like gone, you know, you're almost so focused on the HSE. It was like, like, um, like I won't mention like somebody who plays piano very well was at the conservatorium. (laughs) Um, you know what I mean? And I had my meltdown and left and there were some other people who had, you know, people had left for various reasons. Mm. So it wasn't the whole cohort. So you did. That's interesting because you'd expect that everyone should just go the whole way, wouldn't you? Yeah. And I think that was the plan. Like, I don't think, yeah. I don't think there was any, you know, like, yeah. In 1990, yeah. there was no plan for anyone to be leaving before the end. No. Um, especially old that school. So, what happened for you after 95? Um, I went straight to uni. Actually, went straight into nursing degree. The uni plan, which was yeah, yeah. I had that the plan. Uni from, plan. You know, when I was age five, <laughs> parents were like, "You got to uni." <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. I always tell this story, but I was, um, you know, I always wanted, I knew I wanted to be in the health sciences in some respect. Yep. And I think I wanted to do physio or diversional therapy or occupational therapy. And I went and saw Mr. Morris. (laughs) And Mr. Morris was like, Emma, you are not going to get those grades. You should just do nursing. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. So yeah. And he said, you know, later on, you can get prereqs and go into physio if you want to go into physio. But I got into nursing and just loved it and so stayed. I All I remember about him was the recommendation of engineering, like yeah. everybody should yes. become an engineer. <laughs> like, like, you'd go to him with like your interests or whatever and he'd be like, yeah, 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 engineering is what I would recommend for you. And you're like, but yeah. I'm into music. Yeah, yeah, engineering. <laughs> That's right, I remember. I and it, like I, I was talking to um, Katie Norton, Katie Finney now, and she's like, oh, I can't believe you said just do nursing. And I was like, yeah, but it was actually the best advice. Like I've had a really, I'm really proud of being a nurse. I've had a really yeah. good career. I've made so many friends. You can do so much with it. And it actually was the best advice that someone could give me at the time. It's like, and it's great are, that he gave you yeah. that advice. Like you're probably yeah. the person he gave, you know, something different to. <laughs> Everyone else got the same You don't advice. want to get the grades, Emma. You just do nursing. I remember that accent, that Canadian accent, wasn't it? I know. I, just, I know mm. you'll never forget that voice. If I think if I heard mm. it today, I would just, my head would turn. I'm just yeah. Like, oh, my God. How old I wonder he would be now. Like, I know it's completely off topic, but he was probably like 40. I know, probably our age. We just thought he was really old. Then, yeah. So he'd probably yeah. be like 70s now. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> All right, so you did so you did nursing and you loved it, which is which is really cool. Like, I mean, like yeah. not everybody loves what they go and do straight away, you know. Like, yeah, 
So that's a really cool thing. No, I feel really lucky in that respect. I, I just think it was it was just my niche, you know. I just sort of got into it and just loved it. Very, very cool. So I've done lots of different jobs and worked in lots of, well, not lots of different companies, but I've probably, yeah, three companies I've worked in. I was at RPA, so I went to, once I finished uni, they do a, a six-month sort of new grad program. Yep. Um, so I also like went placements? to RPA. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit, it's a more support for a new graduate nurse um, and you do some rotations. So I did neurosurgery and geriatrics, which I wasn't very happy about at, at Bowman Hospital, but I wanted to go back to neurosurgery, but they didn't have any positions at the time. And the grad coordinator said to me, oh, if you like being busy, because I always thought I was going to be a surgical nurse. I wanted to be really busy and fast. And she said yep. to me, oh, go to haematology. So I went to haematology because she said, I was like, oh, I don't want to be a medical nurse. I want to do all the exciting surgical stuff, you know. And she's yep. like, oh, no, haematology is really busy. You know, it's really good. So get into that. So I got into there and just loved it. So haematology is sort of. Um, the main kind of, I don't know, illnesses you look at, leukaemia, lymphoma, um, And, yeah, myeloma. for people who aren't, like, so it's all the blood disorders. All the blood disorders, this- yeah, yeah, all your haemophilias and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I went and, yeah, just fell into that really and loved it and sort of stayed there and became a clinical nurse specialist and then I became the nursing unit manager of the ward which is really what my career goal was you know I wanted wanted to be a num they call them nurse unit manager everyone wanted to be yep. a num so oh, I was probably no. at that time at that time in sort of when was that probably 2004 probably yeah. one of the youngest nums in the hospital yes I was, gonna say. Which I was pretty proud of now not these days not anymore yeah. um people progress very very quickly um, but yeah, it became the, the numb of the haematology ward. We did bone marrow transplants and stem cell transplants and things like that. Wow. So, yeah, it was a pretty, you know, when you reflect back on it, it's a pretty um, heavy thing for someone to do when you're sort of 21 to, when did I leave there? In 2007. So 21 to 30, it's a lot of pretty heavy stuff you've got to deal with, like emotionally yeah. as a nurse. Exactly. Because like I'm you, thinking intense. Yeah, intense. a lot of emotional, you know, and yeah. physical pain and just, you know. So how do you, like, yeah. how did you really sort of cope with that? Was, was the magnitude of it kind of apparent to you at the time or was it more in hindsight? Um, I think at the time we had a really good, really, really good team around us. Like it was a really good team of nurses and, you know, we partied hard but we worked hard. Um, yeah. And we just supported each other. But it was, it was a really, um, you know, I was just thought by the time I was, yeah, I've been to way more funerals than weddings because we used to go to the funerals because you'd look after those patients for, you know, five years yeah, on and off. It's, it's a journey. Yeah, certainly. You got to become part of their life, really. So, yeah, lots of very sad stories, lots of really bizarre kind of spiritual stuff happened, you know, like, yeah, so I think it, um, yeah, tell me I'm some really... of that. Do you mind telling me some of that? Because, like, look, I used to be obsessed with, like, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and, like, reading about, like, people when they're dying and how they're having all these experiences and, yeah, and stuff yeah. and, like, and David Kessler and, like, that was, that was I don't know why, that was just my big obsession. Um, but, like, yeah, did you, what, yeah, what were some of the uh, stuff? Oh, look, I think there was, a, there was probably two 
two stories that really resonated with me. One was we had a, a man called Bruce and he was from South Africa um, and he fought for a really long time, like a, like four or five years, and he had planned to go to South Africa, back to South Africa with friends um, for like a big trip, a big safari trip, and yeah. he was saying to his friends, I need to show you a white rhinoceros. Like, you have to see this beast. It's beautiful. Um, but unfortunately, he relapsed um, and went for another bone marrow transplant or something. And, you know, it wasn't looking good. And, they, you know, his friends were saying, oh, do we go? Do we not go? And he's like, just go. Like, you have to go. Go for me. Off they went. And um, I'm getting emotional just talking about it now. Yeah, but, you're giving me um, but, Yeah, they said they were out, like, that the... the the friends obviously went and Bruce had passed away while they were there. Um, but before he passed away, you know, they were staying in really close contact with his wife and they were going out on these safaris and they could never see this white rhinoceros, right? And the morning that he passed away, they didn't know that, but they said, let's just go for one more quick trip around and see if we can find one. And they finally saw the white rhinoceros. And then when they got back to camp, they heard that Bruce had passed away and they said, at the funeral, because we went to his funeral, and they just said, oh, we believe that Bruce sent that for us to see. So there's all these kind of just little stories that you just think it yeah. is, It's you know, if you're a real sceptic, you could say it's just um, coincidence. But how people how yeah. people sort of justify or kind of rationalise sadness and, and see light in things was always really beautiful. And I think I don't, I don't personally believe in coincidence anymore. No, <laughs> it's just too much that I've seen that I just, just not, I don't believe in it. Yeah, anymore. yeah. Um, and there was another man who, um, who, um, was a Newtown. Everyone in Newtown knew him. He owned a store there, and he was, he was, um, terrible. He was this chronic smoker, right? And at that time, we had this, um, we had a ward that was kind of away for the main hospital because they were doing renovations. And, they didn't want all the haematology patients to sort of be mixed with other wards where you, they could get MRSA or get things that could make them more sick. So we were kind of right down the road on Missenden Road and you had to go to ICU, a septic, who's really sick. And he's like, please, Emma, please, can you take me out of the balcony just for one more cigarette? One, just take me for one. It was just really naughty like that. So, yeah, you know, I'm like, you know, you're about to go to ICU. You can't have a cigarette. And he's like, please, please just do it for me. And so you have this kind of, trauma of as a nurse of do I give you you know your 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 pleasure in life your or do I go yeah. no what needs do I meet here <laughs> health needs or emotional needs <laughs> please Emma please take me for a cigarette um yeah but he he passed away sadly and and he was um quite delirious I think in the in the final sort of hours but the the registrar the medical registrar that was with him said that you know his last words were oh look at those white horses and he said, what horses, you know? And he said, the white horses that are coming to take me away. And then he passed away. So you get insights into this kind of, and yeah, the- it was it was pretty heavy stuff, Alexis. Like, yeah, And you look back on it, you go, oh, my gosh, I was only like 23, 24, um, and you feel old, but you're not old. Yeah, I know. Um, I love that, that we think we are so mature at 23. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be married by 25 max. You know, I'm going to have three kids by then and, you know, we're just, starting out really but I think I was like mentally um, 13 at 23 
definitely emotionally 13. Yeah, yeah. So I think that kind of shaped, that shaped me as a person. I think you become a lot more stress tolerant and resilient um, doing that kind of work. You know, Um, my husband always thinks that I'm like, he, he, I think he gets really annoyed with me being so chill about stressful things. Um, And he, you know, he just loses his mind sometimes about stuff. Like the good example is like sort of going through an airport, you know, going through the airport with two kids and the passports and the boarding passes and he gets really stressed. And, yeah, he's and they like, keep going under the bar and with... other people. Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> just just don't down. go away. <laughs> um, but he's like, you're just walking around the airport with your head in the clouds. And I was like, no, I am thinking, I'm watching, but I'm not carrying on like a pork chop, you know. Because like, yeah, in my frame really of reference, <laughs> this is not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is anyone dying? No. No one's dying. Yeah. Calm your farm. Yeah, so he and he said to me the other day, he said, Oh, you know, if you were on the Titanic, you'd be sitting in the tea room having cups of tea, listening to the violins play while the, the ship's sinking. And I was like, No, I would be calmly getting people on the lifeboats and getting them to safety. You would have jumped off the back of the boat into the propeller and been a thousand bits. Like, that's, that's kind of that's kind of how we roll. But yeah, he thinks I just put my head in the sand about things, but I just don't. I am, like, yeah. I do get stressed, but outwardly I'm just kind of, right, what do we need to do? So I yes. think that that kind of life experience you get from those really stressful work situations that you don't even realise are stressful at the time do the, ground you. Don't sweat the small stuff becomes yeah. kind of innate. Yeah. So from there, which I'm a, you're still under 30, and you just said you got married at 25. No, 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 that's what I thought when I was little. Oh, you thought like, that's where you'd be at Yeah, 25. you know, like when you're little you think, oh, yeah, I'm going to be married with a child by the time I'm 25. But then when you're 25 you're like, no way. Yeah, no, I thought <laughs> I was going to anyway. be a rock star at 25. Um, I yeah. ended up with a child at 25. <laughs> that was not the plan. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, okay. but you've got your life now, you know. Like I've got young children, not young, 11 and 8. And I've so, got the big gap. I've got the one I yeah. had at 24 who's 19 and the five-year-old. Oh, right. <laughs> Great. Two completely yeah. different sets of needs. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> How's that going for you? Just, you know, it's not my podcast, but sometimes I swear <laughs> I just lie on the floor and just go, God, help me. <laughs> just, yeah. just help me. I just... I can't fight over putting these tights on any longer. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, if you want to go to school. Wear what you want. <laughs> in yeah. gumboots and your underwear <laughs> on your head, you know what, yep. knock yourself out. I just, <laughs> just can't go for fight it, anymore. Yeah. I'm old. And I realise too, like, having a five-year-old, I'll be 56 when she's 18. Mm. I'm going to be so tired. <laughs> I'm just thinking, just going no, you're you're not. it'll keep you young. It'll keep you young. Just, yeah. uh, you know, it's not old anymore, s- I don't think. Just don't drive drunk, all right? Just stay yeah. wherever you are. Just yeah. Do a couple <laughs> of things for mum. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So so what happens from there in your life? Um, so from there, after I became the, the nursing unit manager, I got pulled up into, oh, I got an off, offered a promotion into the, executive of RPA. He started off as a sort of executive officer to the director of nursing and then spent sort of five years in senior management positions, nursing positions at RPA. 
Um, the main one is the operational nurse managers, which is a pretty hardcore role that was, um, yeah, basically running all the nursing ops for a 900-bed hospital. Responsibility central. like just... <laughs> 2,500 FTE. Yeah, so um, the main responsibilities of that was really overseeing just the daily running of the hospital and bed management and trying to clear people out of ED into beds. And it was when all of that... Um, all of the media was around the four-hour wait time in ED, you know, trying giving us KPIs around only keeping people in ED for four hours. So it was pretty stressful. Oh. Always had the camera, like the news cameras outside RPA when we had like 10 ambulances lined up out the front. So, um, yeah, a bit, yeah, that was a, an amazing job. I loved that job. You loved it? Really, really loved it. I would have been like stressing. <laughs> And what if I'm going to have an off day and the anxiety and, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty hardcore. It was kind of, you know, I'd, I'd leave home at about 6.30 to start work. I think we had our first meeting at 8. Um, and then I'd sort of, yeah, just work pretty much nonstop through till sort of 5.30, 6 o'clock. And um, we moved to Mona Vale after my first child. So I was sort of out the door at 6 and then home at about 6.37. So long day. hard with kids. No, I really relate to that and that. How did, you know, how did you kind of balance that? Because, you know, because I, I I still struggle with the guilt, if you know what I mean. Like if I'm not working enough and earning enough, then I'm worried about that. If I'm spending, you know, the mum guilt, you know, if I just. Like, just <sighs> yeah. Oh, look, it was, you know, I eventually gave that up because of the mum guilt, really. Um, there was a lot of on call with that job as well. So the phone was constantly sort of ringing after hours about things. Um, you know, staffing shortages or, you know, emergencies or bed block, yeah. you know, so the, the phone would call. they really are emergencies. Like, it's, yeah. you know, like it's not that, you know, somebody, I used to work in bathroom renovations and someone's toilet, you know, set out would be wrong and that would be an emergency, you know. Yeah. I just felt like, oh, get over it, you know. But this is like the real stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. How did I balance that? Well, I was, I think, really fortunate that my husband worked from home and he always has worked from home. So, yep. you know, Georgie, my eldest, she went off to full-time daycare from 13 months. So I, I managed to get, you know, the good thing about working in the public health system is that you get a lot of leave <laughs> accrued. Um, so I managed to I managed to get 13 months off with both babies. So I spent that first year with them at home, which I... Um, you know, was really grateful for. But I've kind of always thought, <clears throat> for me, if mum's happy, then the kids are happy. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't think that my kids have been severely scarred from being in full-time care from when they were 13 months old. You know, maybe in yeah. 10 years' time they might say, I can't believe you did that to me. But, yeah, I'm sure they'll be in therapy um, for something like we all are. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're going to stuff them up somehow. But <laughs> Yeah, no, I put um, my youngest in from 12 months and, you know, yeah, I was thinking to myself, it's socialisation, it's friends, it's, you know, a similar yeah. routine every day. It's Yeah, geez, yeah, it's and they loved it. They loved it. They didn't want to, sometimes they didn't want to be picked up. Like, why are you here early? Can you not pick us up so early? Um. So yeah, like you know, Rich used to up. drop them off at off, off at daycare because I'd be out the door, um, and then he'd pick them up from daycare and feed them dinner, and I'd come home and you know yeah. spend half an hour with them before they went to bed. And I think that's when you know, particularly when they're really little, it's okay. But when they get a little bit older, I just thought you know these long days are just you know I don't see them. It's not yeah. fair on the family for me to be sort of out the door and 
come home. Everyone gets excited because mum's home. Then you've got to try and calm them down, get them to bed. Um, yeah, so I just thought, no, I've got to, I've got to pull back from that a bit. So, so what changes did you make in <clears> that, at that point? Um, I went into aged care. <laughs> I thought, oh, I just said, no, do you know what I want to do? I think I just want to be like a, you know, a director of nursing of a, of a little, of a little aged care facility and just chill, you know, just, yeah, just chill. Um, that was a very, very um, acute kind of impression about what aged care is like. I was very. Yeah, I was about to ask about... you: Did fantasy and reality clash? <laughs> they clashed big time. Like it was a, oh, it was a real, um, it was a completely different way of managing people, um, because you know I've been managing people really since two thousand and four. So I started in aged care in twenty sixteen. And the COO actually of the company I was working for said to me, Emma, you talk to your team like you're talking to RPA people. And, you know, RPA people are all university educated. You know, now you're talking to people that are, you know, from, um, you know, non-English speaking backgrounds, no degrees. They've done a three-month training course at TAFE. Um, You have to talk differently to these people. Like, And I was like, oh, so it was a big change for me to kind of not not dumb down what you're saying but you just you know it's it's not that real career driven group of people you're managing like you would at RPA you're managing a different cohort of people different um, yeah yeah different needs and just different you know um I guess different goals in life and yeah so it was a bit of a, a shock for me and so I went into a, quite a small little nursing home and got went, oh, my gosh, it's, like, different. Uh, managing families as well, you know, like, you know, at RPA you kind of, well, in the acute system you have families, but it's not the same as in, as it is in aged care. You're really caring for someone's loved one and you, be, and you are, you know, it's their home and you've got to kind of work around that. So, yeah. um, you know, the family management and all that sort of stuff became a really big focus. Um, so I did that for a little while and then the company offered me to commission a new site. Um, so I went off and commissioned a new a new build um, and then that company just sort of got a little bit, it changed very quickly. It, it was a, The COO was very leadership driven um, but wasn't making enough money. So they brought in a new CEO that wanted to, you know, make it more profitable. Um, yeah because it was a profitable business and um, the whole culture of the place changed. So I, I left there and went into the company that I'm working for now, um, which I've been with for four years. Because I'm looking that's at the really moment, nice like that's company. where my mother's headed for aged care mm. and I'm very concerned about <clears throat> finding a place with the right culture. Like that's probably my yeah. number one priority, you know. I'm sort of yeah. I've been speaking to um, like I'll, I'll edit her name at Ariella and just sort of, you know, sort of just, I want to be speaking to people and get some feedback on the culture from inside these places because from outside they can give you the sales pitch, um, but what's it like day to day, you know, is, you know, when it's your loved one. Mm, yeah, yeah, and it's funny because now, now I, I'm starting to get a lot of phone calls from friends and family about can you help me get mum into care. <laughs> so I've sort of become this, um, you know, yeah, guide, go-to I think. person. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, what's and, good and what's you know, crap? And yeah, yeah. 
because of the all of the compliance, you know, with all of the Royal Commission into aged care and everything, it's been yeah. quite quite stressful. Lots of media, um, you know, it's a it, very yeah. yeah, a lot of focus on aged care, and um, you know, you can get non-compliances. You know, the the Age Quality and Safety Commission can come in and give a home a non-compliance. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad home. Yeah. And so I always say to you know my friends. Go in and talk to the manager. Go in and talk to the the nursing manager because most most of those aged care homes will have like a general manager and then a nursing manager. Yeah, take notes. <laughs> take um, notes. Yeah, so I don't have to call you up and be one of those annoying people. Yeah, and and get your feeling from them. You know, do you think yeah. that they're sort of genuine people? Do you feel like they're caring people? Do you feel like there's a really good feel in the home? Look at the residents. Are they happy? Are they smiling? Are they doing stuff? Or are you just walking around? And everyone's kind of staring at the wall. So I don't think it really matters um, in terms of all of that sort of compliance stuff um, yeah. in my experience. So I look after, I'm in a regional quality role now, and I look after 12 homes between sort of North Sydney and Raymond Terrace. So all the way up the central coast and the Hunter, New England, about 1,000 residents, I think, across over those 12 sites. Um, and, yeah, there's some really good homes that get non-compliances for silly things and you work through that and then there's some homes that are all fully compliant but you walk in there and it doesn't feel good you know like so yeah. to me it's the feeling of the home and looking at the people that live there and see if they look happy or not. and I think That's it's the, similar the like, with schools. I, like I know I did that for my son you know I went and interviewed principals after principal you know to try mm. and find the right school for my son when he was struggling you know and it took mm. 17 principals who I interviewed before I found one <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> who was willing to do what I wanted, you know? Um, and yeah. and so, yeah, I think that sort of sounds similar to me. Mm. So, so Boopa, I remember you working for Boopa. Where did that? Yeah, well, that in? was that that was the first company that I worked for. So, yeah, and now I work for Opal Age Care, which people don't really know about, but it's a pretty Boopa and Opal are a very similar size. They've got about eighty. I think they've both got about eighty facilities so Opal Healthcare is quite one of the largest providers in Australia yep um and we're growing a lot there's a lot of um smaller companies that just have not coped well with COVID they haven't coped well with all the regulatory changes um you know the main source of our um, staffing comes from overseas and with all of the border changes and everything we're really struggling with with staff you know, just getting people in and, you know, yeah. a low employment rate's great, but at the same time, it's not so great because it's actually really hard to find people. So, yeah, um, yeah um, Opal, yeah, I think I'll be with Opal for quite some time. It's a really, it's a values-driven company and it's authentic in that um, and they are really much for the residents. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of change in the sector, but there's also a lot of sort of transformation within our company. Um, but it's all for the residents. So I do really like it. You know, in, yep. you know, being a nurse who's had a, a, you know, a quite sort of senior acute experience with my kind of background um, and CV, I guess, going into aged care, you're very highly sought after because not everyone in aged care has the background that, that I've background. got. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we get lots of offers, lots of, you know, I think probably three or four times a week I'll get hit up on LinkedIn, <laughs> come and work for this company, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, yeah, that's how I got into Opal. I got headhunted and this, this recruiter just kept hammering me for this role. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to do the travel. I don't want to do, 
you know, that of really trying to keep myself down for my kids and, and really trying to sort of just be centred with the family. And she just kept going, just read the, the just read the PDM or I think you'll like it. And I, and I read it and I actually thought, oh, I can't, I'll go for an interview and sort of went into it. And it actually prompted my move up to Newcastle because at the time I was in Mona Vale, but I was driving up and down the N1 all the time. And then I came up here, I'm in Elibana, which is on the, you know, on the Lake Macquarie, like on the shores of Lake Macquarie, um, about 20 minutes south of Newey. And because I'd been sort of driving up here, I was like, this place is beautiful. What am I doing in Sydney? Um, so up we came. So we've been here for four years and um, love it up here. Really, really happy in this in this kind of area and in the job and feel really probably quite stable. Nice. How old were your kids when you moved? Um, Georgie was going into year two and Jessica was still in daycare. She still had another year of daycare before she started school. That's probably good timing because I remember my parents moving when I was 12 and, oh, the resentment. Yes, <laughs> yeah. We thought well, if we're going to do it, we do it now. Well, yeah. Yeah, but um, but Georgie just slipped in really well, um, and she's got a lot of really nice little friends, and yeah, she we we managed to sort of buy and sell in the Christmas period. Like we we managed we bought in August, but we managed to sort of move in December. So she got to finish out the year and then start the year fresh, which I think makes a huge difference. Yeah, mm. that's really helpful. Okay, so hmm. One thing, me, one thing that came up when we first discussed this and you wanted to do it with other people because yes. of enduring friendships. Yes. Do you want to talk about that? And and, and yes. look, I will ask um, permission for those people and I'm quite happy just to edit out names So you, and you don't need to mention names um, if you don't want. Yeah, no, I'm, I think they they know I'm doing it and um, <laughs> they know I'm doing because I'm like, you should all do it. They're like, oh, no, there's the bell what am I going to talk about? Yeah, Every idea, right, in the history of humanity, there's a bell curve of responses. So I didn't yeah. expect anything else. But, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to do it together. I thought, well, if the only way I'm going to get these girls to do it is if we all do it together. And I thought how hilarious would it be if the four of us were just sitting there going, like just having our normal chat, 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 and Alexis will probably be going, can you guys shut up and focus and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, look, I think... Alexis, um, shut up. That's a concept. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, and they're my sisters. We've spent our lives together. So it's Katie Norton, who's now Katie Finney, um, Alison Jessup, now Alison Evans, um, yep. and Danielle Hudson, now Danielle Gibson. Yeah. So the four of us are um, enduring, enduring friendships, yeah. That's really and cool. I love them to bits, yeah. That's so cool we've to have been... friendships over such a long period of time. I really yeah, liked yeah, that. Yeah, when you said that, I really. Yeah, yeah. So we've all been through everything together. We've all been each other's bridesmaids. You know, we've all had kids around the same time. Um, all the husbands get along well together. Um, How lucky so yeah, is we've... that? Mm, yeah. Because <laughs> that would put a spanner in the works. <laughs> yeah, it would. It would. <laughs> I think it's because we're all quite. We're all very different but quite similar. So we probably have the same sort of, um, what's the, not the same taste in men, I don't mean that. But, you know, like if we all like each other, then I, you'd just guess that you'd like their husbands, I think, you know. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a ride. Like we've been friends since we were twelve. I know. Yeah. Because twenty seven years is just taking us from ninety five. You know, yeah. it goes back yeah. that previous six. I mean, yeah. And so in what's three that? years? It's the thirtieth reunion. Mm. <laughs> 30 years. I don't even want to tell people that. Like, I just, you know, like, I just think it's, I'm getting old. I know. And I think in another 27 years, like, I think it's a good time to do this because I've been thinking in another 27 years, we'll be in our 70s. Yeah. Well, we should do it again in another 27 years. Blows my mind. Mm. Yeah, I think it would be really cool, um, you know, and, and, you know, God willing, we're all still here. Yeah. Here and here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it's not true for everyone. No. Oh, so, no. so, like, look, um, is there anything that you would want to add? Um, no, I don't think so. I think, I guess, probably when you're talking about the friendships, um, that's something that I really put in, instill in my daughter. Like, I think that that, that friendship, is so important in life, you know. I, I yeah. still see other girls from from Sydney girls, you know, um, Danielle, Danielle Jordan, um, Renee Reed. I still um, see Natasha Marshall. Still keep in contact with her, Jada. You know, so there's still some other girls, but that those those four, and they get you through so many periods in life. And I just, so you know, support. I say to my daughter, friendship's like a garden, Georgie. You've got to water it. Um, yeah. And you've got to look after it. It's a relationship. Um, and sometimes you've got to, yeah, sometimes you've got to weed it. You know, like we've all been through a lot together and I'm sure we've all pissed each other off at some point, you know, along our friendships. And Wouldn't be a real but, friendship um, if it hadn't, didn't, you know, hadn't yeah, pissed each other like, off at some point. Like a real yeah. relationship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that if you, you know, you end your life, uh, that's the one. I, I reckon that's probably going to be one of the, the, the most proud things in my life to have. That enduring yeah. friendship over that period of time. It's like that yeah. Brene Brown thing, you know, we are wired for connection. You know, mm. I really love that. I think, you know, it's yeah. so without, yeah. what's the point of life without the relationships in your life? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm, tonight I'm going down to RPA. There's, um, we're having a, a hematology reunion. <laughs> um, one of the nurses that we worked with, he moved to Canada and um, he's just back visiting family and, you know, on Facebook, everyone's like, oh, that was the best team, you know, and we've all we've all kind of thought we've all tried to replicate that team and it was just one of those golden moments in life where you were surrounded by really good people, you really loved your job, um, you all supported each other and everyone was being really nostalgic on Facebook and then one of the girls just went, stuff it, let's just all go to the pub across the road from the hospital. So tonight we're going down to the um to the Alfred Hotel, Missenden Road in Camperdown, opposite wow. the um the hospital to relive our youth. Um, but there again, you know, like we don't we don't see each other that often, but those connections and that that ability to to reconnect um with people that meant something to you in your life, I think is really yeah. special. So I'm very excited about tonight. It reminds- A lot of us haven't people have moved away. Um so there's people coming from all over. Um, for this night and I think it's going to be a hoot an absolute it's always hoot. the people that make a mm. job I've always found yeah. it anyway it's, it's just it's you know it's always yeah. the people and when 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 the people change that's right it changes the culture it changes the day-to-day it, it can it can be the same job and suddenly it's awful 
Yeah. <laughs> like, so always the people. Yeah, um, and then you're out of there. So yeah, yeah. So I think um, yeah. I don't know. I think that's. I don't really have any other words of wisdom. <laughs> that's your yes. That's that's what's happened for you. And look, and there's been such a range of lengths of of these podcasts. Everybody's mm. individual, and I think like my original idea of my idea, you know, I think you know, yep, it's not about yep. me. I'm trying to make it about let each person have their own story their own length their own what they want to share and I think that's going to be best for everybody I really got a lot out of talking to Emma and her level of resilience I think I'm still working on that today I really admire that thanks so much Emma for being a part of this series